Hello, this is Richard Wilson with a Investor Mandate interview. We're here today with Gianpaolo. Uh, welcome. Good day, everyone. My name is And uh, what, what type of uh, investor are you? I'm the chairman of a family office. Uh, so I'm a serial entrepreneur and venture capitalist, a private equity former board member in investment banks, both in the US and Europe. And uh, we invest globally. Okay, great. And in terms of where you spend most of your time, is there a certain type of client you're serving or how does your business model, you know, really operate as a, as a family office? Well, we don't have client per se. We have uh, partners who are co-principals with us in the, in the, in the deals that we do. Uh, the single family office works only for our family. <clears throat> okay. And in terms of the investments that you're typically spending most of your time on, um, a lot of multifamily offices help with traditional stocks, bonds, ETFs, doing due diligence on fund managers. Some of them help with multi-generational planning, but very few of them uh, work on direct investments or direct allocations for families. Um, how does that differ or how, how close to that model is your family office? Uh, our single family office, I think you were right on the money, Richard, that is just, was born just to steer away from mainstream private equity and, uh, and focus on the direct investments. Uh, when I started a family office, I had already spent 15 years across the pond and in investment banking and private equity. Now sure. I'll say it was long enough to have seen some of the distortion that the market had in, or the industry had better yet. And I, I said to myself that I wanted to diverge from, from, what it was becoming a, a, a mainstream model. And I thought that we had to nosedive private equity a little bit to the level of where venture capital used to be, because now the same that I used to apply to private equity 15, 20 years ago, it applies now to venture capital, you know, with venture capital firms becoming larger institution, the banks like, and, uh, but, you know, right. back then, you know, private equity was, uh, was in the, I think in the doldrums and a lot of uh, sophisticated investors were, dissatisfied and it's not about the, the fees. People think strangely enough that it's for the fees. I mean, of course, if we can save some fees, it's always nice, but you know, it's not for the fees that people are dissatisfied. It's the fact that you don't get any result out of the compounded <laughs> fees that you pay. So the uh, reality right. is we wanted to invest directly. And uh, so I gathered a family and we started a family office on that you know, pre-requirement and, and premise. And don't forget that most of the investments that we wanted to do were on emerging markets because, you know, I had experience on those markets uh, primarily in Central Asia, former USSR, Southeast Asia, South Africa, um, the Emirates. And uh, for me to go on a direct investment uh, contained a, a certain degree of safety. First, because we started uh, uh, all deals on a greenfield level. Right. Uh, we had we had to de-risk the venture on emerging markets. Uh, of course, uh, by definition, you have a higher risk than on on developed economies. On the right. emerging markets, they would sell you just pretty much anything and would get away with murder because, uh, especially in a lot of those markets, that's how it's been for for eons. So how how to de-risk the venture was my the biggest equation that we had to solve, and the only way that I knew how to de-risk the venture was to start a new venture. Uh, at that time, you know, the investment holding had been created by us, you know, uh, it would withstand peer review, the due diligence on whoever wanted to do it, uh, colleagues of any parts of the world would have been a breeze because, you know, it's, it's a new holding company and it's, it's going to do this. So what else 
what else there is to explain and to evaluate. And again, of course, I mean, we were targeting more patient money, uh, having invested primarily in infrastructure. And I will tell you a little bit uh, what we've done. Uh, but I, I found at the end of the day that that was a model that went down well with really all the categories of investors across the spectrum, because we had with us institutionals, strategic investors, multinationals, uh, other single family offices, um, uh, ultra network and high network individuals, so even the private um, accredited investors and, uh, and investment funds. So really I had all the colors of the rainbow, as I said. And uh, again, right. um, steering these um, ventures through was quite, a, quite an adventure, quite an experience and also has been quite a lesson. And um, that's what they call now the Parigi formula in the market and they invite me to, conferences all over the world. But realities, I don't think I've invented anything. I think I've taken the good models that private equity could offer uh, about the de-risking ventures and the, I, I input the corporate governance in every venture that we uh, did and also uh, full market compliance standards. And why? Because we wanted to exit at the same multiples that we would have achieved exiting on Western markets. Right. Because in, in emerging markets, you can get in very cheap, but then either you're stuck with your investment till, you know, debt do part to you or, or, or nothing. Basically, maybe you end up being in, in the control of chronic capitalism, let's call it like this. And then we wanted to steer clear of any potential distress or disturbances. So we've been quite right. uh, meticulous uh, to a point of becoming fastidious on our uh, venture building, uh, but I think it's been appreciated. And not all the ventures have been a success, but we have been successful where we wanted to be successful on the large ones, which we have monetized and exited. So we, for all practical purposes, we've completed the loop you know, starting the venture, being the sponsor, the, the, the principal or co-principal, running it and exiting at the time that, uh, you know, we felt that we wanted to exit. Sometimes right. even before the completion uh, due date, uh, because of course, I define myself, uh, Richard, the sort of a basement type of investors. You know, I went to do the dirty job that a lot of colleagues don't want to do. Because right. obviously starting from Greenfield, you, you got a brace for, for a lot of uh, sacrifice that uh, others that don't want to face in our industry. But uh, as sure. soon as they begin to see the design materializing, well, sure enough, the, the offer begin to pour in. And, uh, and of course, on those offers, you can, you can make the market because you, you right. have uh, the upper end. Thank you. Right, right. No, that makes sense. And um, right now for the investments that you're focused on, uh, what's the geographical scope that you're most excited about putting 80% of your energy into? Well, um, uh, we're still looking at uh, investments on a global basis, uh, but primarily we're focusing you know, across the pond, uh, obviously, because the world nowadays, and this is even before COVID-19 came into play, the world isn't what it used to be 10 years ago in terms of globalization. We got entire portion of the uh, economy that are under sanctions, uh, that are countries such as Turkey that used to be the darling of the market and in the moment are in uh, quandary and right. Middle East is at war. You know, there's a lot of situations that are not really very uh, conducive to, let's say, taking a look at a lot of uh, territories uh, where to start Greenfield. So um, we've also had, uh, I mean, on a different uh, part of the group advisory business, advisory business, so we, we do it uh, around the world with clients in five continents. But as I say, when it comes to greenfield investments, we know for the moment we we're sticking to the European Union and the United States, and but okay. of course with a, with a view to to re-expanding when conditions will will allow. Sure. 
Okay. And um, my last question is about the number one type of business, type of opportunity, or niche within a niche that you're trying to source more than anything else in terms of a type of operating business or type of greenfield opportunity. What, what could our members bring to you that would help you meet that goal, that investment objective? We've been in, historically, we've been uh, investing across four verticals, and those are maritime infrastructure, uh, both mobile and fixed assets, fleet, uh, um, marina, sports, shipyards, mm-hmm. uh, doing also some successful turnaround on those. And uh, the second uh, pillar was the prime derivative of the shipping industry, which is advanced logistics, transshipment ports and uh, centers. The third has been renewables, and the fourth has been healthcare, primarily senior homes. Uh, what I'm looking at now, it's, uh, again, more technology. I used to be a, a principal and a VC firm in Silicon Valley for over 10 years. And, of course, we, we used to do primarily technology over there. I must say that in the last uh, year, um, I've seen a resurgence of uh, interest in technology. And so we're also looking at technology deals. And I think a single-family office more and more, whether run by millennials or, uh, you know, by um, baby boomers, are um, also beginning to shift to this as Europe as well as, uh, I mean, trying to catch up in the United States and there's India and China also that are coming up. So there's a lot of uh, interesting proposition on the technology, on the technological uh, uh, space that are interesting for investors like us. Sure, sure, okay. And what would be your number one piece of advice for other investors listening here? Maybe something you wish you knew 20 years ago that would help somebody who just started their family office or who's just kind of formalizing their family office right now? Well, for sure, persistency. Persistence. It's just persistence is the, is the, is the name of the game. You know, all other quantities being equal uh, because at, at the end of the day, whatever advanced know-how we all have, it's a commodity. And uh, right. so it, it, it tends to be commoditized and it only loosely correlates with the job at hand. So I think we need to... Mm-hmm adopt soft skills and uh, one of them is uh, resiliency and uh, persistence really to be flexible because we live in a liquid environment and again right. this is not because of the contagion but it's just always been liquid the market is like you know the ocean there's always waves and like the atmosphere there's always turbulence in the air nothing ever stands still and i think uh, we tend to categorize with our mentality because uh, we need the comfort zone but the reality is right. no comfort zone but so I think, you know, being persistent uh, and having a clear strategy at the end of the day uh, does the trick. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Nobody's brought that up out of uh, 70, <laughs> the 70 investors of interviewed. No one's brought up that point before. And I think it's a great point. So appreciate you sharing that. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? if they have a project they'd like to work on with you or they want to submit a DOT? Well, they can reach me via email and, uh, and via LinkedIn and on my personal website is and or via email addresses. Okay, great. And if anyone um, has trouble uh, getting the right email or finding him on LinkedIn, just like with any of our other investors, you can reach out to my team. We're happy as long as you're a charter member of the family office club, we're happy to, you know, get you in touch with him in terms of uh, getting his email address at least so you can reach out easily. So thank you for your time today, Jim Paulo. And uh, we're happy to have you in the future, maybe on one of our virtual investor discussion panels coming up. Thank you so much. I look forward to meeting you. I mean, when conditions permit. Sure. Yes, of course. Yeah. Take care and stay healthy. Yeah.